Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 6 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 178 is entitled, The War in Heaven, Part 3, The Final Battle. In the last podcast, Lucifer and his army create weapons of mass destruction, taking Michael and his army by surprise. Michael, however, leader that he is, responds in an unexpected way. They have no firepower to match the machinery of Satan. Therefore, they throw their weapons down, not in surrender, but so they can dig up mountains of earth and bury Satan's weapons of war. From their foundations loosening to and fro, they plucked the seeded hills, With all their load, rocks, water, woods, and by the shaggy tops uplifted, bore them in their hands. Amaze, be sure, and terror seized the rebel host, when coming toward them so dread they saw the bottom of the mountains upward turned. Till on those cursed engines triple row they saw them whelmed, and all their confidence under the weight of the mountains buried deep, themselves invaded next and on their heads main promontories flung, which in the air came shadowing, and oppressed whole legions armed. Their armor helped their harm, crushed in and bruised into their substance pent, which wrought them pain incapable, and many a dolorous groan, long struggling underneath, ere they could wind out of such prison, those spirits of purest light, purest at first, now gross by sinning groan. The rest in imitation to like arms betook them, and the neighboring hills up tore. So hills amid the air encountered hills, hurled to and fro with joculation dire, that underground they fought in dismal shade, infernal noise, war seemed a civil game. However, they are still mated. Neither side can gain victory. It is immortals fighting immortals, and nothing but confusion follows confusion. To this uproar, horrid, confused, heaped upon confusion rose, and now all heaven had gone to rack, with ruin overspread. The upshot is that because the two armies are equal, the war in heaven would have continued perpetually, never ending, one side trying to outmaneuver the other, but without a final conclusion. This continued for two thousand years. Milton teaches a principle that runs throughout Paradise Lost. He teaches the principle of agency. The Father and the Son, from a distance, have been watching the war, but they did not intervene. It was a test to see who would follow Michael, who had been ordained by Christ himself to lead the war, and who would follow Satan. After 2,000 years, the battle lines were clearly drawn, and all the hosts of heaven had made their choice. It was fruitless to let the war continue. The second principle that Milton teaches is that God is always in charge, that God always has a plan, and that God always wins. The third principle that Milton teaches is that God has placed all power in his Son, and he wants all those who followed Michael to know that without Jesus Christ they cannot win the war against evil, but with Christ they cannot lose. The Father instructs his Son to take charge of the war and have the armies of Michael step aside and watch. The father says to his son, Two days are therefore past, the third is thine, for thee I have ordained it, 
and thus far have suffered, that the glory may be thine of ending this great war, since none but thou can end it. Into thee such virtue and grace immense I have transfused, that all may know in heaven and hell thy power above compare. And this perverse commotion governed thus, to manifest thee worthiest to be heir of all things, to be heir and to be king by sacred unction, thy deserved right. Go then, thou mightiest, in thy father's might, ascend my chariot, guide the rapid wheels that shake heaven's bases, bring forth all my war, my bow and thunder, my almighty arms gird on, the sword upon thy puissant thigh. Pursue these sons of darkness, drive them out from all heaven's bounds unto the utter deep. There let them learn, as likes them, to despise God and Messiah, his anointed king. Milton defines the roles of the Father and the Son. The Son, Jesus Christ, acts under the direction of the Father. He gives to the Son all of his power and might. The Father gives the glory to the Son. And the Son, of course, gives the glory to the Father. As with the war in heaven, so with the war on earth. The only way to defeat Satan is through the power of the Son. Christ is the heir of all things. He is the true anointed king. The Son answers, O Father, O Supreme of heavenly thrones, first, highest, holiest, best, Thou always seeketh to glorify Thy Son, I always Thee, as is most just. This I, my glory, account my exaltation, and my whole delight that Thou, in me well pleased, declarest Thy will fulfilled, which to fulfill is all my bliss. Scepter and power Thy giving I assume, and gladlier shall reign, when in the end thou shalt be all in all, and I in thee forever, and in me all whom thou lovest. Milton clearly defines the relationship between the Father and the Son as two entirely separate beings, as stated in the Apostles' Creed, which separates Milton from the other Protestants who accept the authority of the Nicene Creed as the final word. The Son acknowledges the Father as supreme. He calls the Father first, highest, holiest, best. He only wishes to do the Father's will, and all he wants is for the Father to be well pleased with him. The Son declares that in the end the Father shall be all in all. He said the Father and the Son shall be one, and all who follow the Son shall also be one with the Father and the Son. Christ turns to Michael and those who fought with him and says, Stand still in bright array, ye saints. Here stand ye angels armed, this day from battle rest. Faithful hath been your warfare, and of God accepted, fearless in his righteous cause, and as ye have received, so have ye done, invincibly. It is a parallel to end time. At the end of the world, the Savior will say the same thing to all those who fought against Satan on earth with Christ. This is also portentous of the Battle of Armageddon and the Battle of Gog and Magog, in which Christ, after years of warfare among men, a war inspired by Satan, finally intervenes. It reminds us of the parable, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Christ personally takes the command of the battle. But of this cursed crew the punishment to other hand belongs. Vengeance is his or whose he sole appoints. 
Number to this day's work is not ordained nor multitude. Stand only and behold God's indignation on these godless poured by me. Not you, but me they have despised, yet envied. Against me is all their rage, because the Father, to whom in heaven supreme kingdom and power and glory appertains, hath honored me according to his will. Therefore to me their doom he hath assigned, that they may have their wish, to try with me in battle which the stronger proves, they all or I alone against them, since by strength they measure all, of other excellence not emulous, nor care whom them excels, nor other strife with them do I vouchsafe. Christ said that vengeance is mine. The power of Christ alone can defeat Satan and his army, not the power of man. It is Christ whom Satan despises. Their rage is because they envy Christ, his role with the Father. Their doom has been assigned by the Father to Christ. Christ said the devil shall get their wish. They will be able to see who is stronger, Christ or Satan. Satan confused the strength of Michael and his army with the strength of Christ, thinking that that was all Christ could do. Now that man has proved his faithfulness, however, Christ will fight the final war. As in heaven, so on earth. This battle on earth is a test to see if we will remain faithful. Christ then takes on an aspect foreign to his former nature. He becomes a vision of terror to Satan and his angels. He is the face of terror. So spake the Son, and into terror charged his countenance too severe to be beheld, and full of wrath bent on his enemies. At once the four spread out their starry wings with dreadful shade contiguous, and the orbs of his fierce chariot rolled, as with the sound of torrent floods, or of a numerous host. He, on his impious foes, right onward drove, gloomy as night, under his burning wheels the steadfast Empyrean shook throughout, all but the throne itself of God. Full soon among them he arrived, in his right hand grasping ten thousand thunders, which he sent before him, such as in their souls infixed plagues. They astonished, all resistance lost, all courage, down their idle weapons dropped. O'er shields and helms and helmed heads he rode of thrones and mighty seraphim prostrate, that wished the mighty mountains now might be again thrown on them as a shelter from his ire. When Christ takes over the battle against Satan, which has been raging for two thousand years, there's no contest. The devils are so astonished at Christ's power that they drop their idle weapons. They drop their shields and helmets and fall to the ground, wishing the mountains would hide them. He does not want to destroy Satan and his army. He merely wants to cast them out of heaven because Satan is necessary to carry out God's plan on earth. And that plan is to give man his agency, just as he had in heaven to follow Christ or to follow Satan. Yet half his strength he put not forth, but checked his thunder in mid-volley, for he meant not to destroy, but to root them out of heaven. Satan and his angels, wilting for the power of Christ, are cast out of heaven. Speaking of the war in heaven to his apostles on earth, Christ said, And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Luke ten eighteen. With the armies of Michael looking on, Christ comes endowed on high with such power that Satan and his army, without opposition, are instantly crushed. 
Satan thought his enemy was Michael. He forgot that his greatest foe was Jesus Christ himself, against whom Satan has never had any power. All the blustering, all the mocking, all the insults hurled at Michael's army when Satan thought he was champion disappeared. Satan and his army are instantly cast out of heaven. Milton describes the event. Headlong themselves they threw down from the verge of heaven. Eternal wrath burned after them to the bottomless pit. Hell heard the unsufferable noise. Hell saw heaven ruining from heaven and would have fled affrighted, but strict fate had cast too deep her dark foundations and too fast had bound. Nine days they fell, confounded chaos roared, and felt tenfold confusion in their fall through his wild anarchy. So huge a rout encumbered him with ruin. Hell at last, yawning, received them whole and on them closed. Hell, their fit habitation, fraught with fire, unquenchable, the house of woe and pain. Peace is restored in heaven, and Christ turns to his faithful disciples. The scene in heaven echoes Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem before his crucifixion. Disburdened heaven rejoiced and soon repaired her mural breach, returning whence it rolled. Soul victor, from the expulsion of her foes, Messiah, his triumphal chariot turned. To meet him, all his saints, who silent stood, eyewitnesses of his almighty acts, with jubilee advanced, and as they went shaded with branching palm, each order bright sung triumph, and him sung victorious king, son, heir, and lord, to him dominion given, worthiest to reign. He, celebrated, rode triumphant through mid-heaven into the court and temple of his mighty father, throned on high, whom into glory him received, where now he sits at the right hand of bliss. As in heaven, so on earth. Those who follow Christ will win the battle against Satan and reign with Christ forever. Raphael, who is telling the story, in an aside turns to his readers and gives the following warning. What might have else to human race been hid, the discord which befell, and war in heaven among the angelic powers, and the deep fall of those too high aspiring, who rebelled with Satan. He, who envies now thy state, who now is plotting how he may seduce thee also from obedience, that with him, bereaved of happiness, thou mayest partake his punishment, eternal misery which would be all his solace and revenge as a despite done against the Most High, thee once to gain companion of his woe. But listen not to his temptations, warn thy weaker, let it profit thee to have heard by terrible example the reward of disobedience. Firm they might have stood, yet fell, remember, and fear to transgress. Raphael, of course, is speaking to us on earth. He warns us to look at the deep fall of those two high aspiring who rebelled with Satan. In other words, it also applies not only to those angels in heaven who followed Lucifer, but to those children of Adam on earth who are enticed by Satan. He warns that Satan is now plotting how he may seduce thee also from obedience. He is warning those who follow Satan on earth that they will partake his punishment, eternal misery. Then he warns, but listen not to his temptations. Warn thy weaker, let it profit thee to have heard. By terrible example, the reward of disobedience. 
he is telling us that with the help of Christ, we could have stood. His final warning is, remember and fear to transgress. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.